Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilman nafi'ah. Allahumma arinal hakka hakkan ve arzukna ittiba'ah. Ve arinal batila batilan ve arzukna ictinabe. Rabbi şrahli sadri ve yassirli emri vahlul uqdetem min lisani yafqahu kavli. Assalamu alaikum ve rahmetullahi ve barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of the series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the 10th word. This is probably the earliest treatise that Ustad Nursi wrote and put in his magnum opus, the Risale-i-Nur collection. It is about the verity, the reality of life after death and bodily resurrection. It is a lengthy treatise and we have read the first part of it which was a metaphorical representation, a story that Ustad Nursi provided us with in order to lay out a cognitive pattern in our minds on which we can impose the reality that we see out there in the universe, in the cosmos, in the information that we are provided with in order to understand who we are, what we are doing here, and we are going to be going once we depart this, this realm. Inshallah, those who have not listened to the previous episodes of the series should go and listen to those so that they can understand where we are coming from better. In the section of the treatise that we are reading now, Ustad Nursi provides proofs for the existence of life after death. We read through the first four proofs and then we began reading the fifth proof and we will continue that today inshallah. So this is the fifth proof or fifth truth as Ustad Nursi named his proofs. He, he calls them truths. And each of the truths provides us a gateway. He calls it the gateway of something and, we are, and then tells us that that gateway is a reflection of one or some of God's names. We follow a particular methodology in understanding what this means. The gateway or the gate is something we observe in the material visible realm that we live in. We look around the cosmos, we look at it as signs of creation, and in it we try to see signs of the creator. And from that we try to understand what kind of a creator are we trying to understand. Who is he? What is he like? What does he do? And of course, we verify that with the eternal message that he sent us through his messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they match. Once they match, then we ask, so if this is the Lord that we, we are the slaves of, what makes sense? What can we expect 
from him that he will do from here on once we depart this visible realm that we see around us if there is one reality that we can be certain of a reality that, that we can see right away when we look into our lives our existence what we are who we are where we are coming from where we are going to that is death we know that death is certain for all of us all human beings nobody has stayed here and therefore we know that departure is certain therefore we ask like what, what's going to happen after departure and the most certain source of information we have about this is that we know that everything is created by a creator that is our lord we are his slaves we are his worshipful slaves and that's the best thing that can ever happen to a, any human being so we are all blessed at birth by being his slaves so he is the creator we are departing from here he is the lord who is taking care of us what can we expect from him and once we ask these this question and think about the attributes the conduct of the lord that we we are witnessing in the cosmos we come to the conclusion that what makes sense is that there will be life after death that he will have an abode of punishment and reward after death after everything here comes to an end this cannot be the be all end all this cannot be all of it this looks just like demos this is something that points to something else this is something simple that points to a higher reality that is the methodology that we follow and in the fifth truth that we have been reading we are looking at the gate of compassion and the worshipful slavehood of Muhammad and this is a reflection of a, a flash flashing reflection of the names the answerer and the merciful the one who responds to prayers answers prayers and the one who is merciful briefly to go over what we said is that we see in the cosmos that even the lowliest needs of the lowliest creatures are being provided at time of their need and their supplications are being answered and here we need to understand the concept of supplication dua in a broader sense we are not only talking about a human being perhaps uh, sitting on the prayer rug turning to the qibla the kaaba to mecca raising his or her hands up and asking from god that is a form of dua that is a form of supplication but supplication is a very broad concept the position that let's say plants take when they need something let's say a tree needs nutrition from the ground it extends its roots through earth and that is a supplication that the tree extends its roots through earth it is asking its lord oh lord yarab give me my nutrition speech is not only through the utterance of phonemes sounds with our mouths the means of communication 
can be many other things. That a plant turns its leaves toward the sun is a supplication for God to send the energy that it needs in order to uh, produce its cells and God sends it through the sun. So anything and everything that we see in the universe, we look and see in a time of need, their supplications are being provided. Even the lowliest of things, little worms, little mosquitoes, everything. The atoms need energy for the, the electrons to run around the protons, the, the, the core of the atom. That energy is being sent to them. So the, even the lowliest needs are being taken care of. In that case, what about the best of creation? The one who is closest to that Lord. The one who has described the Lord in the best possible way. Who provides a mirror to the Lord in the best possible way. Who shows the beauty and perfection and majesty of the Lord in the best possible way. Who has the most profound, most sincere, worshipful slavehood who worships him in the best possible way and who asks for something that everything needs, who asks for something on behalf of the entire creation, who asks for something on behalf of the entire humanity, who asks for something on behalf of all those who believe in God, who are devoted to him, who are devoted to the Lord, who worship him and supplicate him day in and day out at every moment, who are living their lives in remembrance of him. So this most beloved raises his hands and asks for something from God. And that is not difficult for him. God, he is the merciful. He gives everything, every animate and inanimate being what they need at the time that they need it what about this best of creation raising his hands and asking for something that he direly needs all the believers who follow him all the believers who came before him direly need the entire humanity needs the entire creation needs it is the one of the one of the most urgent dire needs of the entire existence they love their lord and they do not want to depart from him through annihilation what about the supplication that this most beloved makes is the merciful one is the one who answers prayers supplications who answers the supplications of even the lowliest of creatures is he going to reject the supplication of the best of creation? That is not what we expect. That does not make sense. What our intellect tells us, what makes sense is that he is going to accept that supplication. And even if there was no other reason for him to create the hereafter and give eternal life to anyone among his creatures, even if that was the case, only and only his supplication would be enough for the Lord to grant life after death, eternal life, everlasting life in the hereafter. So 
he alone, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, by himself, his supplication, his worshipful slavehood by itself is enough reason for God to create the hereafter and we also know that this is not difficult for him. So the most beloved of his creatures is asking for it and it is not difficult for him. Then what makes sense is that he is going to give it. It is so easy and makes so much sense that it becomes necessary for the intellect to assume, expect and be certain of its coming. So we are continuing from here. There isn't too much left um, at the end of the fifth truth. Inshallah, once we finish it, we may be able to continue on to the sixth too. Bismillah. Acaba hiç mümkün müdür ki bütün akılları hayrette bırakan şu intizamı alem ve geniş rahmet içinde kusursuz hüsnü sanat, misilsiz cemali rububiyet o duaya icabet etmemekle böyle bir çirkinliği, böyle bir merhametsizliği, böyle bir intizam intizamsızlığı kabul etsin. Is it at all possible that the flawless perfection of artistry, the peerless beauty of lordship expressed in the order of the world and the comprehensive mercy that reduce all to bewilderment, so much mercy, so comprehensive mercy that we are left in a state of oh, Is it at all possible that that perfection of artistry, that beauty of lordship, that beautiful lord and that comprehensive mercy will not answer his prayer? The prayer of the beloved of God Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and thus tolerate an extreme form of ugliness because not having everlastingness is ugly. Would it accept that mercy, that perfection, that lordship, would it accept such a cruelty and disorder? That mercy, that lordship, that perfection would not accept such ugliness, cruelty and disorder. Why is it ugly? Well, imagine, imagine a child, a three-year-old child. This is only one of the examples of why it would be ugly and we already covered this in one of the uh, earlier truths. Imagine a five-year-old child, healthy, running around, loves chocolate, you know that too. And you pull out from your pocket a tasty, healthy chocolate. You dangle it before the child and say, would you like it? The child says, yes, I would like it, runs to you. You open the chocolate, you let the child smell it, and then you close it and put it back in your pocket and say, no, you won't have it. You may not have it. Would this not be ugly? If you saw any adult doing this to a child, would you not be taken aback at the least? Now imagine, imagine the beauty that we are exposed to in this universe and the appetite that we develop in order to consume what we are presented with. That we are given the opportunity to taste, but we never are satiated. If this was the be all end all, if this was all of it, and that was annihilation, if everybody came here, smelled, their appetite was awakened, and then they were taken away to annihilation, they were just executed, would that not be ugly? Would that not be cruelty? And imagine this is the best of creation. 
he is asking with such sincerity, in such a state of dire need, in such a comprehensive way on behalf of everybody and everything. We don't expect our Lord not to grant that, that prayer. We know the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. We have his biography. We have his example. We know him. We know him. We know his beauty. That is visible. That is visible for us. And we know that he is the best of creation. We know that he asked for this. And we know that he is the most beloved to the Lord. And we know the Lord. And we know that the Lord is powerful and merciful and he answers prayers. Then we expect him. Then we expect that he will grant that. He does not have to. Don't misunderstand the, the logic here in any of these truths. We are not attempting to oblige God to do anything. He has absolute will and he is free to do whatever he wants to do. He does whatever he wants to do. And he is doing whatever he wants to do. He is doing what he wants to do. That is what we see around. That is what we see in the creation. We are looking at what he does. And we are deducing from this how he does it. And from that we are deducing what makes sense to expect from him from here on. And then on top of that, we are corroborating that information with what he promises in his message, in his revelation. And they all match. And it all, it all works. Yani, en cüz'i, en ehemmiyetsiz arzuları, sesleri ehemmiyetle işitip ifa etsin, yerine getirsin. En ehemmiyetli, lüzumlu arzuları ehemmiyetsiz görüp işitmesin, anlamasın, yapmasın. That is, is it possible that it would, when we say it, we are referring to God's mercy, God's perfection, right? God's lordship, they would. Is it possible that they would listen to the most petty and insignificant desires and grant them this Lord that he listens to, hears, listens to the most petty, the loveliest, most insignificant desires and he grants them, but he will dismiss significant and important desires as worthless and fail to fulfill them. Is that possible? It is not possible. Hasha ve kella, yüz bin defa hasha. No, never. A hundred thousand times, never. Böyle bir cemal, böyle bir çirkinliği kabul edip çirkin olamaz. A beauty like this, a beauty like the beauty of our Lord, cannot accept, cannot agree to such a an ugliness and become ugly. That does not happen. Here we have a side note. Haşiye. Side note. Evet, inkılab-ı hakaik ittifaken muhaldir. Yes, it is unanimously agreed. It's agreed upon that the total reversal of truths is impossible. The total reversal of a reality is impossible. That black becomes white. That's not possible. It's a total reversal. In the visible realm, in the material substantive realm that we are living in, you can think of the entry of opposites within one another. Like you can put some white in black and it becomes a different shade of black or a different shade of gray. Right? That is possible. But absolute black 
cannot become absolute white. And even the entry of white in absolute black is not possible because even, a, even the tiniest dot of white that enters into absolute black, it will not be absolute black anymore. And we know that our Lord is absolutely beautiful. There can be no ugliness smeared on his beauty, attached to his beauty, entering into his beauty. It is unanimously agreed. It is agreed upon that the total reversal of reality is impossible. So you cannot go from one absolute to the opposite absolute. That is what we call total reversal. That is not possible. Ve inkılabı hakaik içinde muhalen der muhal bir zıd. Kendi zıddına inkılabıdır. And among the transformations of realities, among the changes that happen in reality, one impossibility, something that can never happen, one impossibility that is within impossibility, is that an opposite will transform into its opposite. This is not possible. Ve bu inkılabı ezdad içinde bilbedahe bin derece muhaşudur ki, zıd kendi mahiyetinde kalmakla beraber kendi zıddının aynı olsun. And among these conceptual transformations of opposites that we are thinking about, what is clearly impossible a thousand times is that an opposite will remain as what it is, will preserve what we call its quiddity, mahiye, what it is. And while preserving its quiddity, it is also going to become the opposite of itself, what we explained at the beginning. Something that has a quality and attribute to the utmost level and at the level of absoluteness cannot remain what it is and at the same time become its absolute opposite. Absolute black cannot remain absolute black and at the same time become absolute white. This is a logical contradiction. Mesela, nihayetsiz bir cemal, hakiki cemal iken hakiki çirkinlik olsun. For example, a beauty at the utmost level, an infinite beauty, absolute beauty. While it is actually truly beauty, it will also become actually truly ugliness. That's not possible. İşte şu misalimizde meşhud ve katiyyul vücud olan bir cemal-i rububiyet, cemal-i rububiyet mahiyetinde daim iken aynı çirkinlik olsun. Now let's apply to what we are talking about. Right? In this example of ours that we are talking about, the beauty of lordship that certainly has existence that we witness we witness the certain existence of a beauty of lord lordship while it preserves its nature of beauty of lordship while it preserves its quiddity it will also become very ugliness is this possible it's not possible we witness this beauty of lordship what do we mean by that our Lord, as we talked before a few times, is the one who cares for us, who fulfills our needs, who supervises us, who owns us. But this ownership, we should not have in our minds a negative connotation attached to the notion of being slaves of God. It is the most beautiful thing 
He is our Lord. He is our caretaker. He nurtures us. He is our refuge when we are in need. He is our provider when we are in need. He is our healer when we are sick. He is our consoler when we are sad. He is our Lord. And there is beauty in all of this. That everything is being provided for in the best possible way at the time that they need in the most gentle way. This gentleness that we see around. The beauty that we see around. We are given nutrition, but gently. We are not just forced to ingest nutrition because our body needs to continue its existence by ingesting nutrition. We are being attracted to it. We are given these beautiful tastes in the nutrition. It is made soft for us to be, so that we can chew it and swallow it. It doesn't tear through our digestive system. It doesn't burn through our digestive system. There are millions of different kinds of tastes and foods out there that we can ingest and that also is pleasant for us to ingest. Isn't this beautiful? Don't we see this beauty in His Lordship? And how can we imagine that that beautiful Lordship is going to transform, transmute into its opposite and will become absolute ugliness? Because the absence of life after death amounts to absolute ugliness. Because all these beautiful blessings that we are surrounded with become painful, tearing thorns. They become flowers filled with thorns on their stems that we have to hold and that tear our hands. They lacerate our hands with the pain of separation. The more beautiful they are, the more attached we become to them, the more we love them. But in the end, we all depart. If we are not going somewhere where we will see, we will be given the realities of, the actual versions of the demos that we see in this life and that awaken our appetites, if there is no such hereafter, this is all like a play. Somebody is mocking us. Somebody is playing with us. That's not possible. Our Lord is not playing with us. He, he is beautiful. He, we see His mercy. We see His gentleness. We see the beauty in His Lordship. That Lordship cannot transmute into, into its absolute opposite. We cannot ascribe ugliness to Him. That we cannot assume. This is the end of the side note. We will uh, continue with the text itself. And that's actually bringing us to the end of the fifth truth. Demek Resul-i Ekrem aleyhissalatu vesselam risaletiyle dünyanın kapısını açtığı gibi ubudiyetiyle de ahiretin kapısını açar. In that case, as the Prophet Muhammed, the noble messenger of God sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem has opened the gate of the world through his messengership, through his worshipful slavehood, he opens the gate, the door of the hereafter. How did he open the gate of the world through his messengership? We talked about this. The purpose, the ultimate, most profound 
most essential and most beautiful purpose that we see in the creation is the manifestation of God's beautiful and perfect and majestic names and attributes. It is like a mirror on which the Creator witnesses His beauty and majesty and perfection and the importance of human beings in there is that He also witnesses it through the witnessing of conscious beings like human beings who know how to appreciate, who can tell good from bad, beautiful from ugly, and so on and so forth. Now, this appreciation is key and important. And that appreciation reaches its utmost level, its perfection through the message that Muhammad brings to the world. And it is his reality, his metaphysical reality. We are not only talking about the uh, flesh and bone individual who walked earth uh, about 1450 years or so before. That is his manifestation on earth. But he has a metaphysical reality. And all the prophets and messengers that came before him and all the saints and righteous people and believers who came after him, all the reality that they have exposed is made apparent through his light, through his metaphysical reality. And if it were not for that metaphysical reality, if it were not for his light that exposes reality as reality is and shows the signs of creation in the creation, the world would become meaningless and God does not do anything that is futile. His messengership, his message, his broad, all-encompassing light is what has opened the door for this world for the creation of the world and in the same way his worshipful slavehood and here again we need to think about his metaphysical personality each and every prayer that each and every believer has performed since they learned how to pray how to perform their prayers from him the reward that each one of them has acquired also goes to the Prophet His metaphysical reality is something that keeps growing and growing and it will keep growing inshallah. His worshipful slavehood encompasses all of this and then shows the most perfect appearance of that in his physical being that walked the earth in flesh and bone too. It is his worshipful slavehood it is his supplication, it is his beseechment, it is his pleading that opens the gates of the hereafter where they're the actual versions of what is being shown to us here in the form of demos is going to be demonstrated in, in, in their majestic, majestic reality and beauty and perfection. This is the end of the fifth truth and Ustad Nursi finishes it with a salawat, with a salutation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alayhi salatu rahmani mil ad-dunya wa dar al-jinan. May the blessings of the merciful one be upon him, upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To the extent of all that this world 
and paradise, the realm of the paradise, the abode of the paradise, can contain. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala abdika wa rasulika, thalika al-habibu al-lazhi huwa sayyidu al-kawnayni wa fakhru al-alamayni wa hayatu al-darayni wa silatu al-sa'adatayni wa dhul janahayni wa rasulu al-thaqalayni wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa ala ikhwanihi minan nabiyyina wal mursaleen. Ameen. Ameen. Ameen. O God, grant blessings and peace, Allahumma salli wa sallim, upon your slave and messenger, that that beloved who is the master of both realms, this world and the hereafter, right? Sayyidul Kawnain, who is the master of both creations, both realms, this visible realm that we live in and the one where the paradise belongs to where the hereafter belongs to where the hell belongs to everything in the creation who is the master of both realms the pride of all the worlds the pride of all the worlds the source of life in both spheres the means for the attainment of happiness here and in in the hereafter this is important he is the means for the attainment of happiness here and the hereafter. He who flies on two wings. So what does that mean? He has access to both worlds. He is with his worshipful slavehood, the representative of the creation before the Lord. And he is with his messengership, the representative of the Lord among the creatures. And he, as a result, has access to both worlds. The metaphysical realm and the physical realm. To the angelic world and to the worldly life that we have here he has two wings he can he can fly and we cannot fly on our own because we all have one wing we need his support he is the one who supports us he is our wing he is the one who helps us fly he is the one who soars and opens the path and we follow him on the path who is the messenger of both men and the jinn, both humans and the jinn. Send your blessings and peace on him and upon his family and upon all of his companions as well as his brothers from among the prophets and messengers. Amen. So this is the end of the fifth truth, inshallah. We will start the sixth. We won't be able to cover much uh, our Time will be limited, but we will start the sixth and we will see how far we can go there, inshallah. Altınca Hakikat, the sixth truth. Bab Hashmet ve Sermediyet olup ismi Celil ve Baki Cilvesidir. This is the gate of sublimity and perpetuity, and it is a flash of reflection of the names, the majestic and the everlasting. Hiç mümkün müdür ki bütün mevcudatı güneşlerden, ağaçlardan, zerrelere kadar emirber nefer hükmünde tesir ve idare eden bir haşmet-i rububiyet. Şu misafirhane-i dünyada muvakkat bir hayat geçiren perişan faniler üstünde dursun, sermediği baki bir daire-i haşmet ve ebedi ali bir medar-ı rububiyeti icat etmesin. Is it at all possible? that a sublime lordship 
that subjugates and administers and has control over everything, the entire existence from the suns to the trees and the tiniest particles and he controls all of them like obedient soldiers. Is it at all possible that such a sublime lordship is going to be established on destitute transient beings who spend a brief period of time in this world that is like a guest house and it's not going to build it is not going to bring into existence an a perpetual everlasting abode in which his sublimity is exposed in its absolute and real glory and a lofty place of lordship where he shows his lordship in its absolute glory too. So what are we talking about? The Lord in his attributes is, is, is absolute and his power, his control, his subjugation is also absolute. Does not have limits, does not have boundaries, cannot be limited to anything. But the world that we observe around here is limited. It is limited by space, it is limited by time. It comes to an end. Is it at all possible that his absolute sublimity that shows itself, that manifests itself through his lordship, is it at all possible that that sublime lordship going to come to an end and not continue to expose itself, to manifest itself? Is it at all possible that it is going to suffice itself with what is here, with this temporary thing? No, it's not possible. He is absolute. His power, his subjugation, his sublimity is absolute and perpetual, everlasting. His majesty is everlasting. Then the manifestation of his majesty is going to be everlasting too. But we don't see it here. That means there is another place. He is going to bring into existence a circle, a perpetual everlasting circle realm of sublimity and a lofty place of lordship. Evet, şu kainatta görünen mevsimlerin değişmesi gibi haşmetli icraat ve seyyaratın tayyare misal hareketleri gibi azametli harekat ve arzı insana beşik, güneşi halka lamba yapmak gibi dehşetli tesirat ve ölmüş kurumuş küreyi arzı diriltmek, süslendirmek gibi geniş tahvilat gösteriyor ki Perde arkasında böyle muazzam bir rububiyet var. Muhteşem bir saltanatla hükmediyor. Yes, we see behind the veil of this, this visible creation, the cosmos. If we think of it as a veil, we see behind it a tremendous lordship and a magnificent royal power. What do we mean? Think of a veil as a substance that comes between the beholder and what is being beheld and that prevents the beholder from seeing what is being beheld. Basically a substance, a curtain that prevents us from seeing what is behind it. However, a veil can also be porous like those semi-transparent tools. It can be porous and if you focus on the pores Instead of the fiber, instead of the threads that make the, the veil, that make the uh, semi-transparent 
fabric if we focus on the holes and look through the holes behind we see the reality behind it especially especially if that reality is so dazzlingly bright so tremendous that if we were to look at it without the curtain we would certainly be blinded and not be able to perceive it so the curtain is not only something that prevents us from seeing what's behind it but it can also function as a filter that enables us to see what is behind it provided that we focus on the pores and not the threads that make it now the cosmos is like a veil that functions in this exact same way behind the veil we see a tremendous lordship and a magnificent royal power yes how do we see it yes the transformation succession of seasons that we see in this cosmos those are sublime activities they show a sub sublime execution we see winter everything is covered especially in a place where it snows as everything is covered in white everything that was alive everything that was colorful everything that had variety in it now is all covered in that white isn't that isn't there something that inspires us with the knowledge of sublimity in there a power that that has power over everything and then when spring comes the snow melts and flows away and becomes life-giving water and from the ground that that that earth that looks as if it is death there comes forth lifeful lifeful plants and animals we see the earth teeming with life doesn't that show sublimity a sublime execution a sublime activity ve seyyaratın tayyare misal hareketleri gibi azametli harekat and tremendous movements like the movements of the planets that are flying around as if they are planes ve arz insana beşik güneşe halka lamba yapmak gibi dehşetli tesirat and subjugations acts of subjugation like making the earth a crib for human beings it is like a crib when you have a crib like you you you expect a baby you prepare a crib you put a mattress you put nice sheets on it you put something to cover the baby you make sure that it is clean and soft and neat and even smells nice then the baby comes and you put the baby in the crib the earth is prepared like a crib for human beings we have everything we need here and more we have everything we need and we also have everything that we we can enjoy and entertain ourselves with so it is not limited to simple needs but it is also entertaining it is also joyful and pleasant and making the sun like a lamp over the entire creation on this on this earth when the day comes the light goes on and we all benefit from it we get energy from it we get light from it we get all sorts of benefits heat from it all sorts of benefit from it benefits from it now when you think of it there is a dreadful power behind it the sun is such a tremendous object if we were to try to subjugate it to ourselves 
like imagine our let's imagine ourselves in a disorganized chaotic uh place like cosmos versus chaos right the cosmos is ordered everything has a place everything moves in a particular order everything is subjugated let's imagine ourselves without that subjugation the sun is a giant burning ball out there and the earth is a tremendously big ball another globe with some water and earth and we are standing we are somewhere else we are floating in the air and everything else all the animals all the plants are floating in space if all of us all human beings all plants all animals all living other objects if we all came together and gathered our powers put our powers together we don't have real power but our imaginal powers together would we be able to subjugate the earth to ourselves and use it as a crib and would we be able to subjugate the sun to ourselves and use it like a lamp no but it is happening something some power is subjugating it for our use so that that power must be tremendous right we are talking about a, a sublime power ölmüş ve ölmüş kurumuş küreyi arzı diriltmek süslendirmek and we already talked a little bit about this süslendirmek gibi geniş tahvilat so broad transformations changing changes from state to state such as bringing the globe of earth that has died that has dried back to life and again this happens every spring you look around in the winter earth is dry earth is dead trees especially if you are looking at deciduous trees the leaves have fallen it looks like a dry bone the, le the, the leaves that have fallen are dry and dead all the uh, smaller plants are dead and they have disappeared and that, that's that's imagine that before your eyes and then imagine a couple of weeks maybe maybe three weeks four weeks in the spring when all of this comes back to life so changes from state to state like this all of this the succession of seasons in the in the universe the movement of planets like planes in this in space that the earth is subjugated to human beings like a crib and the sun is subjugated to the entire creation on earth like a lamp that the changes from state to state on earth that are happening and once they happen once they are brought back to life it is not only brought back to life but it is also beautified look at those flowers look at the colors on the flowers they all come out of dead earth or dead bone-like branches of the trees all of this show that behind the veil of apparent causes apparent materiality that we are witnessing there is a tremendous lordship and a magnificent royal power that is in charge that is ruling böyle bir saltanatı rububiyet kendine layık bir raiyet ister ve şayeste bir mazhar ister now such a such a royal power of lordship 
such a lordship with such royal power would want, would call for, would entail a community of subjects that are worthy of it and loci of appearance that befit him. What does this mean? The royal power of lordship. We saw that already. The succession of seasons, the planets are flying in space like planes, the sun is subjugated, the earth is subjugated, everything is subjugated. And it also has lordship. It is also taking care of everything and subjugating everything to everything. And it is making everything its slaves. And by making them its slaves, it is both exerting power on them, controlling them, moving them around, and also nurturing them, taking care of them, showing mercy to them. A lordship with such royal power. It certainly will, will want subjects that are worthy of him. And it will also want loci of appearance, meaning mirrors on which it is going to show itself. It is going to manifest its power and lordship. Because we cannot talk about lordship. Let's make this more clear with an example. One of the easiest names of God to, to explain is that he is a provider, a razak. If there aren't creatures that need provision, the name of Razak cannot be manifested. There will be human beings who get hungry and the Razak, the provider, will provide them. There will be animals that get hungry and the provider will provide them. There will be plants that need nutrition and the provider will pro provide them. There will be, let's say, stars that need hydrogen in order to burn it and the provider will provide them. So if there aren't stars, there aren't human beings, there aren't animals, there aren't plants, there aren't any creatures that need provision, the provider would not manifest. So this sublime lordship, this majesty, this majestic royal power will manifest itself through its power and through its lordship. And for it to manifest itself, it needs subjects and it needs loci of appearance, locus of appearance, the plural is loci. It needs loci of appearance, but it doesn't want any loci of appearance. It wants loci of appearance that are worthy of him, that befit his majesty and sublimity. Halbuki görüyorsun, mahiyetçe en cami ve mühim raiyeti ve bendeleri şu misafirhaneyi dünyada perişan bir surette muvakkatan toplamışlar. That being said, you see that the most comprehensive and significant subjects of him in their quiddity his subjects with the most comprehensive quiddity and the most significant ones, his most significant slaves have gathered on this earth which is like a guest house in a desperate situation on a temporary basis. Of course, we are talking about human beings here. Human beings are the most comprehensive and compassing in their nature, in their quiddity. Some of God's names, one or some of God's names are most dominantly manifest on each of his uh, creatures, each of his artifacts. Let's say a beautiful rose flower from our perspective, from the perspective of a human being, it may be the name the, the beautiful is most manifest on it. Perhaps for a small baby, the name the merciful, the provider, the gentle, 
these may be the most manifest. For human beings in general, the name that is most manifest on them is Al-Jami, the gatherer, because in their quiddity, in their nature, in what they are, they gather qualities, they gather capacities that are able to manifest all of God's names and attributes to varying degrees, but they have the capacity to manifest all of them. And therefore, they are also the most significant ones among the creation. And also, God said that they are the most significant ones among the creation. The beloved of God came among them, the Prophet Muhammad He created them on the highest of the high. They may make bad choices and go down to the lowest of the low, but they are the ones who have the capacity to reach the highest of the high, and they are created there too. However, so it is the human beings, if, if you want to see what the treatment is like, we look at the best, the most important, most encompassing ones with regard to their capacities to manifest. And we look at them and what we see is that they are destitute. They have gathered on this earth, which is like a guest house, in a destitute situation and temporarily. But we just said that that royal power, that lordship, wants subjects that, that befit his royal power and that his lordship. He wants loci of appearance that are able to manifest, reflect his, his, his sublimity, his majesty. But the most important among his creatures cannot do it. This guest house is filling and emptying every day. All of his subjects are on this on this plane of testing and trial in order to be tried for how they are serving temporarily. They have gathered here. This is a testing ground and they are being tried to see how they are serving. And the plane, this, this plane of testing and trial, this transforms every hour. It doesn't, it is not stable. It keeps changing. Now, he is absolute. He is perfect. Can something that keeps changing be the mirror for something that's absolute and perfect and therefore does not change? Has reached perfection, but this keeps changing, transforming. Hem bütün orayiyet, saniye zülcelalin kıymetdar ihsanatının numunelerini ve harika sanat antikalarını çarşıya alem sergilerinde, ticaret nazarında temaşa etmek için şu teşirgahta birkaç dakika durup seyrediyorlar, sonra kayboluyorlar. And all of those subjects stay only for a few brief minutes here in order to behold the samples of the precious bounty of the, the majestic artful maker to look at his miraculous works of art in the exhibition of the world with the eye of a buyer. So this is a very beautiful imagery and a very beautiful metaphor. The world like an exhibit center. We are all here temporarily for a few minutes the exhibit is not going to last forever. It is an exhibit after all. It is not the real thing. It is exhibiting something else, the real thing. We all come here. We take a look like buyers. We are interested in it. But then we move out. We go somewhere else. Şu meşher ise her dakika tahavül ediyor. And this display house is transforming every minute. It is changing from state to state every minute. Giden gelmez. Those who leave don't come back, and those who come leave. İşte bu hal ve şu vaziyet katı gösteriyor ki, 
So this state and the situation definitely show that. Şu misafirhane ve şu meydan ve şu meşherlerin arkasında o sermediği saltanata medar ve mazhar olacak daimi saraylar, müstemir meskenler, şu dünyada gördüğümüz numunelerin ve suretlerin en halis ve en yüksek asıllarıyla dolu bağ ve hazineler, hazineleri vardır. So this state and situation shows that behind these this guest house, this testing ground, these displays, these exhibition centers, that royal majestic royal power and lordship has continual palaces, lasting abodes of residence that are worthy of, that are going to be the loci of appearance for his perpetual royal power and he has the pure lofty realities of origins, original versions of the demos and images that we see in, in on this earth. He has gardens and treasuries filled with the lofty pure originals of the demos and images that we see on this earth. Demek burada çabalamak onlar içindir. In that case, our struggle and toiling here is for those, for those original versions, for those real things, for those lasting abodes of residence and for those perpetual lasting palaces, not for the demos that are here. They are just for tasting, they are just, you know, taking a look, for taking a look and understanding what is to come, having an, having a sense of what is there and perhaps also preparing ourselves for what is to come, developing our skills and senses so that we can benefit from the real things when we are exposed to the real things. Şurada çalıştırır, orada ücret verir. He employs here, he makes us work here, toil, struggle here and he pays for what he employed us for here he pays for it over there he gives the reward over there not here this is the place for testing trial working struggling this is the place of employment that is the place of payment and reward herkesin istidadına göre eğer kaybetmezse orada bir saadeti vardır everybody has a felicity over there in accordance with his aptitude here there is a parenthetical mark on condition that he does not lose it everybody in accordance with their aptitude have a felicity over there in that permanent abode of residence on condition that they do not lose that aptitude while here evet öyle sermediği bir saltanat muhaldir ki şu faniler ve zail zeliller üstünde dursun. Yes, such a perpetual royal power, it is impossible to think that it is going to be established on such temporal and transient object beings. Şu hakikate, şu temsil dürbünüyle bak ki. Mesela sen yolda gidiyorsun, görüyorsun ki yol içinde bir han var. Here Üstad Nursi helps us understand this reality through what he says the binoculars of a metaphorical representation and inshallah we have uh, used a lot of time we are going to read that representation metaphorical representation in the next episode of the 10th word 
if you are benefiting from these recordings please share them with your friends with people that you think might also benefit and have not been exposed to Ustad Nursi's Epistles of Light yet. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir dawahum anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.